to episode 225 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro Mobile in Burbank. Okay, uh, just what I'm doing here, I'll get into in a second. Uh, maybe save it more of it for the rant at the end of the show. Uh, but this week on the show, um, and one of the reasons why I'm doing the opening in the car uh, is... Uh, because we've got Jake Zim, Senior Vice President of Virtual Reality at Sony Pictures, and Curtis Hickman, Co-Founder and Chief Creative Officer of The Void, here to talk about Jumanji Reverse the Curse, which opens up at The Void uh, all over the country today as part of a big rollout around the film itself. Um, I've been waiting to get Curtis on the show for some time, and... uh, and I also instantly bonded with Jake over comic books. So uh, this was a really, really, really fun discussion, a great episode. And I'm so eager to get it to you that despite the fact that there were workmen at the apartment today using power tools right over where I do the podcast, I decided that instead of waiting for Black Friday to get the episode out, I would in fact record it in the car down the street from the comic book shop because it's Wednesday. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that's how dedicated I am to you all. Uh, there is a lot going on right now, and, and that's another reason why I want to get this out. There's some announcements going out today. Uh, more on that in a second. But right now, if you go to the site, if you go to the site, you're going to find a few things. But uh, right now, if you go to the site, you're definitely going to find our holiday gift guide, which hit earlier in the week. Uh, we pulled the team and put all kinds of things in there. So you're going to find there's a lot of books. There's some movies. There's some accessories. There's games. Uh, there's a piece of technology. Spoiler, it's the Oculus Quest. More on that in a second. More on Oculus in a second. Uh, we just, we just, we wanted to like you know, have something there for people who either wanted to find the perfect gift for uh, an immersive creator or their immersive friends or uh, to, you know, flesh out your own wish list for the holiday uh, and maybe expand your horizons a little bit. Uh, a lot of my own favorites are in there. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, shockingly, I didn't put any of the Star Wars stuff in there. <laughs> that was Anthony. Anthony did that. Um <laughs> Also, the only thing I don't own in there uh, that that which probably on my own list. But anyway, um, that's uh, <laughs> that's the holiday gift guide. So I hope that uh, you uh, find it useful. Um, one thing we didn't push in the gift guide was our own Patreon. Uh, despite some of the kids being like, "You put our Patreon in there," I'm like, "It's a holiday gift guide. Come on!" But we could use your help. We're uh, we're down one patron this week. Uh, we're down to three hundred thirteen uh, and seventeen ninety one. So it's just just a dollar pa- patron. So not not a mortal wound. Always sad to see people go, but not a mortal wound. Um, but right now we're only two backers away from our next goal. Can we do it? Oh yes, we can. With your help, with your help spreading the word, uh, because it'll be a great relief if we can hit that $1,800 mark by the end of November, because it's going to set us up for where we need to be in December. 
Um, I don't want to harp on it right now, but just know, um, you know, this is this is about survival at this point. So we definitely need your help. And I know a lot of people give already. So just spread the word. Uh, we will be doing a big, big push uh, on a whole bunch of stuff. Um, and there's going to be some options uh, as well uh, related to the transformation of NoPro into an arm of the institute that we're building. The other arm of which is the Here Summit and Pilot Festival, uh, which is coming up in March of 2020, March 27th through 29th at the Pasadena Playhouse. Definitely have big announcements coming there. Uh, going up today on the Here website, herefest.com, H-E-R-E-F-E-S-T.com, is a breakdown of how ticketing for the badges is going to work. Um, uh, it, it, on first glance, it may seem a little complicated, but basically it's just ticket windows. Uh, there'll be windows of time where people can buy tickets uh, from different groups. And the prices are going to be announced. We start announcing programming next week. That's guaranteed. We are, we are, we've got things to announce, so we're going to start announcing them. Uh, and tickets are going to go on sale starting December 9th. All right. So starting December 9th, the first wave of tickets will go on sale. Full breakdown over at thehearfest.com. Uh, you'll be able to find that. Uh, one more thing I want to mention um, that I should have mentioned during the Patreon section, aside from patreon.com slash no is how to help us out. The sustaining backers of the show, of course, are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, and Sidney Guillory. Um, it's been a big couple of weeks for VR. Uh, the under presents, uh, the, the review that will did is doing amazing traffic for us. And that excites me because it means a lot of people are very interested in what's going on with the under presents, which is this cool hybrid of VR and immersive theater that tender Claus has put together. And we're going to have a lot more on that in the coming weeks with some interviews with the team. Uh, the other thing, uh, is uh, of course Vader. The other thing, you know, Vader Immortal came out. Very excited about that. Of course, you know, today we're talking with the Void and Sony about uh, LBE VR. And then a big piece of news that hit this week: uh, Facebook and uh, bought Beat Games, the people who make Beat Saber, and they're now going to be a studio attached to Oculus. So that's a that's a pretty big deal because Beat Saber is really like the big breakout game. Uh, for VR. Oh, and and also uh, Valve announced uh, Half-Life Alex. So suddenly, after a very long time of VR kind of feeling like it was dormant and a lot of people expressing like feelings about it, um, the content suddenly here. And nowhere can you see that more acutely than in Jumanji Reverse the Curse. Now, you can find my review up on the website. It will go out before this goes out. And I freaking loved this experience. And I nearly said game. And you know what? It'd be right to say game. Because whereas The Void so far has avoided using a lot of game mechanics in their work because they wanted to differentiate themselves from a video game, the thing about Jumanji is that Jumanji's a movie about a video game. So you kind of have to go the game route. And they do it spectacularly. This is one of the first ones that I could see 
regularly. And again, I haven't done Nicodemus yet, and I know Nicodemus has lots of endings, and we're going to get to Nicodemus. Uh, this is one where I could easily see people going back more than once. Uh, it's still it's still premium ticket price. It's it's still up there, but I could see people going back because they've done so much work around the the interparty dynamics, around giving people specific roles and powers, to the point where, um, depending on which character you're playing, and you do look like the movie characters, those are the avatars they're using. Depending on which character you're playing, you may be seeing and hearing different things not even maybe you will be seeing and hearing different things than the other players that's something that you can only really do in vr right or you know technically in ar but you can to its full extent with the full occlusion you can only really do it in vr and that's exciting that they're playing with this dynamic so i can't wait to get you into this interview so you know what we're going to get you to into the interview. Here we go. This was this is this is an all-time banger from my point of view. Jake Zim, Senior Vice President Virtual Reality at Sony Pictures and Curtis Hickman, Co-Founder and Chief Creative Officer of The Void, and I will see you on the other side. Yeah, no problem. So I'm Jake Zim. I'm the Senior Vice President of Virtual Reality at Sony Pictures. I head up the Immersive Entertainment Studio for Sony, for the movie for the movie studio. Right. And I'm Curtis Sickman. I'm the Chief Creative Officer and Co-Founder of The Void. All right. And today we're talking about Jumanji, which is the latest from The Void and first project with Sony. Second project. Second project. What this is that? actually our second project. Oh, Ghostbusters. Exactly. Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, my God. How right. can I forget? We, 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 we were first. built this company. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Together. Yeah, we've been yeah. working together for a while. I talk about how this is live to tape, and I never like erase anything. Now I want to erase something. <laughs> but it's like, no, it's good. It's good. I'll leave that in there. That's right. Because that, that's the thing. Because Ghostbusters, I... I because it was in New York right. for, for so long and at Madame Tussauds. So and my buddy Zay actually got to check it out long before me. Nice. So, well, and this is great because like... I mean, the, the heart of what I want to talk about, and we'll talk specifically about Jumanji in a second because I just got out of it and it was really exciting, but like the, the heart of what I want to talk about is like, what have you guys learned about making this sort of stuff from that first project? Like how, how far has this really come as a form uh, like for, for both of you? So maybe Curtis, starting with you. Oh man, I, it's hard to know even where to begin. So much is uh, kind of advanced and developed, and we learned so much from Ghostbusters, um, um, all, like from day one, just even opening and you know from uh, out of the gate. We kind of learned uh, a lot about human behavior, a lot about um, sort of the right and wrong way to to do this, because it's it's something that no one had ever really done before. I mean, no one had had opened up an immersive VR experience uh, for the public, um, at least not in any major way, and, and that's. Um, that's what we did, and we, uh, and with Sony's help, of course, came out with a really great product, um, something that we're still very proud of. Um, um, but you know, it's it's been kind of funny. Like we, you know, there are things that we kind of put big bets on. Like oh, we think we can, you know, we we can get a good throughput through. We think we can actually, without people knowing it, have people have these great adventures and and follow the story. But then we'd also, you know, at least on the void side, we made some assumptions about like behavior that definitely weren't true uh, you right. know that 
Uh, well, like, like what? What was what was the behavior that you like assumed? Because um, you know, failure is one of the most interesting thing in this space. No one ever talks openly about it, but like we learned so much from. Yeah, those. I totally agree, and I don't mind. Yeah. I don't mind talking about it because yeah. it's. I mean, that was quite a while ago, and and we still make mistakes. Heaven knows, but um, you know, honestly, it's you kind of get a little blind to it, especially developing virtual reality and immersive VR. You, you know, as a as a creative developer, you get really used to it, and so you start to get this sort of blindness to what everyone else is used to. And so we, we've had to really kind of pull ourselves in and train ourselves to remember that most people that come to the void, it's their first real major experience with virtual reality. And so there's techniques and things that we want to use that are more intended for people that are used to VR, that understand VR and are very competent in virtual reality that we kind of have to reassess and look at in a different way through a different lens in order to apply them to that audience that's actually coming in the doors and not just us that goes through every single day. Yeah. And you, and you learn so much in these first iterations, Ghostbusters being a great example, things that you may have assumed simulator sickness is a real problem. You know, that is a real issue. We may have assumed that, but there are some people who just are not attuned or don't have VR legs, for example. Um, so you have to build and construct content that, that matches what they what they need so haptic feedback having those kind of external you know inputs like wind and heat actually help people become accustomed and get into the experience um social is really really important the idea that you're in there with other people really lends to the idea of having fun and being excited and and um and enjoying the experience and being in the immersion uh, there's so many things that I think can be on one side of the coin or the other in terms of are they a failure or are they a success. Ultimately, in that early stage with Ghostbuster, it was about learnings. Yeah. And that's where we are now, trying to apply those learnings, sort of validate some of the things that we thought might have been issues. Um, but it all comes back to the idea that it's all launching a new platform. Every yeah. single time someone gets into an immersive space, you have to educate them to a certain degree, especially when there's technology involved, putting a headset on. Um, it's a new platform, and so you have to find ways to, to explain what people are doing without too many spoilers and give them a chance of having unexpected surprises throughout. Well, I'll, I'll give you a really quick example, too, that uh, from Ghostbusters specifically. I, people would go in, and we'd ask them when they came out, like, what did you do? What did you experience? They'd be able to tell us those, those beats, and we'd say, great, what was the story about? And they'd be like, ah, and they really didn't know. They, mm -hmm. I mean, they had a, a concept of what their part in a story was, but the story around what was like happening was, was, was not clear. Um, and we spoke with Ivan Reitman about it, who we were working with, uh, uh, of course, very closely. And he said, you guys need an establishing shot. You need a way to like actually establish the world that people are going into. And so that first Ghostbusters uh, that we put out didn't have uh, our, that video that people watch before they go in. There's Dan Aykroyd in it now. And yeah. now, now, yeah. We, now we have one that has Dan Aykroyd in it, who's, right. uh, um, you know, what better way to to, to jump into a Ghostbusters experience and with, with Dan explaining it to you, but and then it became like a, a model for everything you do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 loading in and it often like really grounds. I mean, I remember when I did the first thing I did uh, was Secrets of the Empire and like you know, Cassie and Andor's there and I was like not expecting to see Diego Luna and so it's like whoa like right. like this is it was like a shock. Yeah, it sets a you precedent know? I think really early that this is legitimate that this is authentic. Yeah. It also, it's really important for the brand. So on the brand side, when you've got a brand like Ghostbusters, when you've got a brand like Jumanji, you want to marry the idea that there's familiarity with the brand and there's a world that exists, but you also want to offer something that is a surprise, that's new, that's different. We're not trying to recreate 
the movie. So when you have a Jumanji experience that starts off with Reese Darby, Nigel Billingsley, the familiar NPC, who but welcomes the you know welcomes the characters to the world of Jumanji. That's my bad impression. Yeah. <laughs> you're immediately, uh, as an audience member, you're immediately comfortable with the idea that you're going into a familiar world. But then the beauty of what The Void offers and what these guys have done from a creative standpoint is there's so many surprises. There's yeah. such a different story. There's different interactions. And being immersed with that agency, you get to do something different. So it's that marrying of familiar surprise that we like to think of helps move the whole project forward. Are, are, we, keeping, um, are we keeping the PCs under wraps as no. a surprise? No, okay. No, no, we can talk about it. I was like so surprised because I didn't know. And then suddenly Mike, who's like the, who went in with the general manager, I, I look over and I see that Mike is, is the rock. And then I look in the mirror and I see that I'm Kevin Hart. Right. And the funny <laughs> thing is instantly my voice went up an octave and I like t started talking faster because I was like, what? What, how did I wind up as Kevin Hart, right? You're naturally being that character. Yeah, yeah. And there's just this, this moment of like, oh my God, they've, they've, they've stuck us in the thing. And in the fiction of Jumanji, it's perfect because that's the idea. Like you get right. transported, you get turned into these characters. Right. So of course suddenly like you're, you're running around in, in celebrity skin, right? And yep. it's just like, that's a real like, oh my goodness. And talk, talk about, um, I mean, was, was Jumanji something that even when you guys were talking about Ghostbusters, you knew you wanted to like crack in and do because there's a couple of things here. One, you know, aside from like there's that what that is that Assassin's Creed like uh, you know experience that like popped out uh, the, the VR escape room thing that popped yeah. out roughly at the same time that that movie came, but that movie like tanked. But this is the first time I've seen an IP connected to a movie drop at the same time as the movie, right? Like finally, like, oh yes, like perfect, perfect synergies here. So was this one like cooking like while the, the sequel was on? Like how did, how did this one come through? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll start on this. W w because we had such a great experience working with The Void on Ghostbusters, we knew we wanted to find another project. And Jumanji as a, a huge success for us, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, um, we knew we were in production on another movie. It's an all audience brand. It's an eight to 80 brand. Yeah. And what we love about location-based for, for VR and, and the void in particular in terms of what they do is that it really is available to all audiences. So yes, there are some age limits and some guidelines, but whereas the in-home market is really more focused on a, on, a, on a specific gamer audience, the Jumanji brand fits that broader audience co composition that we wanted to have out in the space. So. Very early on, when we had our initial conversations about this project, we, uh, we did a lot of brainstorming with The Void. These guys came with some creative ideas, and we went down to, uh, to set. We went to Atlanta where we were filming the movie, and we sat and met with all the producers, and we basically brainstormed with them and pitched them ideas, and, and The Void team brought all their creative and, and presented a, a great presentation. And we got feedback and some of the key points that needed to be built into the experience. So during the production of the movie, the production of the, the, the Void experience was going on in parallel with a lot of feedback in real time. Knowing that we wanted to open this in a window that would be right in front of the movie, right in that window, so that frankly it could just benefit from all the awareness and the marking that was gonna come out for the movie. And also, like, I mean, and Jumanji itself really lends itself to this format. Yeah. Like, this, this is this is the most game-like one 
I, I still haven't done Nicodemus yet, which is too much to my shame. Right? Yeah, total it's a, shame. You got to do it. No, it's 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 like top of the list. Okay. Um, uh, you guys played with things in this one uh, in terms of giving people defined roles that are different from from the other players and and going for the whole video game antics coins video game aesthetic and then these like very clear challenges the fact you have lives you know it feels like i mean i I was like oh my god can we lose this thing um was that something you saw as like perfect for the brand or like was this an opportunity to like finally get there or did this even invite you to do things that you were maybe a little a little afraid of, of of tackling so far yeah, you know, it's it's new territory for us um, because the general rule for The Void is that we don't make video games, strictly speaking. Um, we, we make experiences. We want to take people to these other worlds. It's immersive entertainment. It's about you being a character in a story more than it's you playing a video game. Uh, the wonderful, great thing about Jumanji is that you, you are... They're both things are one and the same. I mean, that's you're, what it is. That's what it is. You're 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 going into a video game, and so it, it presented this amazing opportunity to play with things that we'd never played with before. Uh, you know, losing a life and and responding. What would that be like? And how would we make that work? And how would we make it feel like Jumanji? Uh, you know, like you were actually in Jumanji doing it. Um, and so, really early on, that that was one of the uh, my favorite parts of I think brainstorming was going through. The, the hit list of, of Jumanji things and just seeing how many wonderful parallels there are and how, how much great content we could actually play with and use in the void to uh, present the, the world of Jumanji in, in a way that, that uh, feels very real and is authentic to the brand. Yeah. I, there's parts of this that feel like I'm in an escape room, right? Like, so it's, it's, it's not that full on, like, I got to find a lock, but things like, you know, pattern puzzles that you have to like navigate through um but also like like you know finding yourself like like trying to like carefully walk along edges and <laughs> yeah. and, and all of this um when the thing that fascinates me about about how you guys were set up is the fact that like multiple groups of people can be on the stage at once um how how deep into your design flow is thinking about that throughput like and and the, when you're designing encounters and 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 figuring out how to get people through that because this feels like it's absolutely the quintessential thing that makes this a sustainable business model but also there's a there's a deep amount of magic in in getting that feeling of like you know folks are five feet away from each other but in entirely different worlds yeah yeah i I mean, you kind of summed it up in a way. I mean, because yeah. it, it is very deep into the system. Um, we, we have to think about it from day one. We build white boxes, and then we create what are called gates, and we have all these sort of systems and techniques that we use to maintain those gates and create throughput. Uh, and some of those things are kind of very natural in a more of like a, an attraction design format, like you can see in Imagineering or somewhere else. Um, and so there's some of those techniques involved, but then there's sort of these new techniques that are very VR-specific that we use to really encapsulate and trap people into their own little world, their own bubble. And as you pointed out, those things tie directly into illusion design and, and magic so as to psychologically uh, convince people that uh, they're in their own little world and that, that there is nothing else going on around them, despite this, this throughput that we're trying to maintain, right? this commercial model that is necessary to exist. There's, there's a fair amount of effects in this physical effects. So there, there's moments where I'm feeling wind and water and, and, and I put my hand against a wall and I felt like stone for, for a second. Mm -hmm. How, how are you finding, 
because I'm thinking about the, the psychological effects in, in VR. It's like, how little can you do? Right. Like, is that, is that one also one of the goals of like, what's like the little, little tiny expression we can do that then like let the guest fill in the rest of it or. Yeah. 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 That's exactly right. A magician would call a convincer. Mm -hmm. So if I'm doing a magic trick and I'm trying to, you know, make something disappear in a handkerchief, um, before I make it disappear, I might have you touch it. Right. Right. Like, Oh, you can feel it through the handkerchief and then it disappears. And so that touching it, you didn't see it. You don't know for sure that it's under there, but you felt it. And so that's going to convince you that it was in fact there. Um, and in, Immersive VR, we do the same thing. Uh, we, we create these very specific moments of, okay, we know they're going to touch this thing, or we know they're going to walk by this place, so let's put an element there that's going to implant uh, a bit of conviction into the back of their mind that this place is real. Um, I call it the path of conviction, in fact. It's this step-by-step process that we very intentionally create to help immerse people in, into the world. That also sounds like it would make an excellent subtitle for like a, f- a fantasy game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The path to conviction. The, yeah, the path of conviction, you know. Yes. Um, this is like a D&D module. Um, totally. Well, 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 to that note, like, um, I know that, I know that uh, you've, you've worked with your father, Tracy, yeah. uh, who was one of the, one of the architect of Ravenloft um, on Nicodemus. Uh, someone was mentioning that like, he's also, he also like consults in on, on a lot of the storytelling you guys do. He is our head uh, of story at the void. Oh, nice. Yeah. He actually wrote uh, the, the, the uh, dialogue script for Jumanji. Uh, sometimes I'm shocked that you guys don't like, aren't screaming that because like he's, <laughs> he's such, he's, he's like, he's a demigod in in the role-playing world and like D and D is having such a renaissance and I, and I of course see all these things connected. Like people really into role-playing games, people really into escape rooms, people into this. Yeah. And like, I feel like if I rolled up to someone, I mean, this is the thing, like I was talking with someone about who, who, who played Nicodemus, right? Mm-hmm. So he has advantage over me, uh, who's a massive D and D guy. And so I met, this was just yesterday. I was at the virtual beings conference that Fable was doing. And, um, and, you know, I mentioned that he was like, what? And he had like no idea. Mm. And like, there's just this, this pool of people who I think they would maybe lose their minds if they, if they knew that. So yeah, why are you keeping track of your ass, man? <laughs> yeah. It's jealousy. I just really, <laughs> it's my time to shine. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I don't know that I do, but at the same time, it's, you know, uh, it's, uh, like it's an interesting it's an interesting group of guys like the uh, the because Tracy I mean he was just uh, uh, I think it was the last Gen Con he went to he spoke a lot about the void and about mm-hmm. Nicodemus and about everything that was that's going on here and he's not shy about it um, so I'm, I'm not sure how to evangelize that uh, more than we are well mm-hmm. I, I can say that having now worked with Tracy on two projects and um, having seen how amazing his work is and how fluid his work is and his ability to write and tell stories for me on a studio side, it's, it's a great benefit to have someone who really understands writing and understands how to present their writing and story. So even though to your earlier point about how audiences may take the story or not take the story away from their experience, it's actually critical in the success of the project, that there is that deep, rich story that someone has really thought through and considered the brand, considered the canon, has the ability to do it. It's a major differentiator for The Void yeah. to have Tracy. Yeah. Um, whether or not he becomes a marketing asset and yeah. he's sort of on the, you know, on the marquee of it's a Tracy Hickman production. <laughs> right. I don't know if you that discussion, yeah. But yeah. it certainly shows up in the experience, whether people know it or not. Yeah. But, by the way, if anyone who's listening is curious, there is a, there's a book that uh, Tracy and I wrote together for Nicodemus that you can get on the Void website for free. 
So, I mean, if you're into Tracy's work and you're curious about Nicodemus, I'd, I'd encourage you to check it out. Yeah. Oh, the, the, the texture, like, like the, there's, there's such a thing in narrative as texture, right? You know, like when we're talking about building a story world. And, and the, there is the, a lot of, I mean, you, you guys have had the advantage of working with some, like, big, big IPs. You know, Star Wars has a lot of texture and, and uh, you know, Ghostbusters has, has a lot of that texture. Um, it, that's the funny thing. Even though, like, there's just the... the the, the few movies there's there's so much other material and that 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 feeling is really there and in mm. Jumanji's got 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 uh, a few a few films back in but like you can feel that in this right it feels like oh the idea like we're in a different part of Jumanji every time I say the word I expect like the, the whole planet to reboot <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, so that that sensibility it's almost it is almost ineffable in, ineffable right it's like you can't quite put your finger on it but like when a world's really built out even if you just spend like a few moments with like the big bad like there's just mm-hmm. something about like it, it just a character's look tells a whole story yeah you yeah know? i think it's that that feeling that that ineffable quality is that is the thing that we i mean it's what we're really striving for right is that for people to go in and for them to not go in and be like oh i'm I just got scammed into paying for a marketing thing, you know, or people to go in and, and feel like, oh, it says Jumanji, but really this is just a generic whatever. You know, it's it's the goal is to just to put people in that world and that you go to the movies and that's, you know, the story of Spencer and Bethany and, that, you know, those characters. But when you go to the void, you're going in Jumanji and it's your story. And uh, and so it, everything has to just have that that quality to it, that feeling to it. Um, and it's it's not always easy to capture um, you know, and in fact, in some ways, some of the deeper, uh, like where there's this world Bibles and just like Wikipedia's of, of you know infinite amounts of backstory and information, it, it's uh, in some ways that can be kind of easy because you can just pull from that stuff, you know. Um, or where, it could probably be a challenge too when you have to. Well, you know, yeah, I mean, there's there's, there's two sides of that. That's yeah. fair, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Which again, where, where Tracy's been really handy is actually be able to walk that line for for a lot of that material. Right. Yeah. And one of the things about Jumanji that's so wonderful is that it is, it is a brand, but it frankly isn't as established as a Star Wars or a Ghostbusters. It may not have all the textures defined yet. And what we're really excited about is defining, and I hate to use this cliche of a word, but transmedia, mm-hmm. you know, the opportunities to extend the brand into other touch points and help build that canon. And so having someone like Tracy and the team at The Void who can build it and you can sort of throw it over your shoulder and say, okay, these guys know what they're doing. This guy has built amazing worlds before and whatever he's creating is going to be additive to what we've already established with the movie. Mm. That, and that and that the core verbs of Jumanji are play, right? Like that's where the alignment like really yeah. comes in. It's like game. Jumanji's a game. Jumanji's about playing and inviting you to play um, and, and creating that rapport like I really love the fact that this one actively leans into distinct roles, powers and abilities, even weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So like I kept on cracking up because like every time you opened up Mouse's backpack, <laughs> yeah. he had a weakness of cake and I knew I was supposed to reach for the scepter, but I kept on wanting to reach for the cake. <laughs> and like I almost want to go back in and find out if there's cake. Um, and that was just, it was, it was cracking me up. Like I think I've laughed more in this one than in any of the others, which also Great. it's an action yeah. comedy franchise. So you exactly. should be laughing like exactly. throughout it, but like just completely delighted by just those moments and that like you're faced with a choice do the thing you're supposed to do or get cake. Right. Um, and honestly, I hope there's cake. Um, <laughs> but, but on that, on that kind of like vibe, 
some, someone was telling me an anecdotal story the other day that that people are coming through the void and they're, they're kind of partnering up with people maybe they don't know because like that's that's the thing but then people are like exchanging numbers afterwards and yeah. so it's providing this like social function is that something you guys are actually finding yeah absolutely and, and i i love that i think that actually in that way too also reflects a lot of the sort of core tenets of of the of the jumanji story itself of bringing strangers together and and then sort of binding their way through this adventure and coming out the other side uh as with a completely different relationship than how they went in um, and we, we've seen that in other Void experiences and, we, and it's, it's uh, I, you know, honestly, what I think it ties into is we, we see a lot of adults go in and a lot of kids come out, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's really, they go in and people learn to play again and they learn to just, because they forget where they are and in, 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 in a sense, almost who they are. And they kind of are able to let go and just have fun. Um, and that, to, uh, personally, that's very, uh, very impactful, very meaningful to, to me personally. Yeah. How, how, when... Jake, when, when the, the studio's looking at, at, at what you're doing in Immersive right now and, and looking at a project like this, I know that at least with like the at-home market, uh, because the install base hasn't, didn't, you know, didn't hit instantly become like the iPhone, right? Um, which was, I think, maybe always naive on everyone's part to think it was going to get that way. But like, how are, how are they viewing efforts like this? We're under attack. Uh, <laughs> how are they viewing uh, efforts like this? Like, like, how's the studio? Uh, oh yeah, oh, we, we actually got to talk. I, yeah, yeah, it's gotten loud have, suddenly. Uh, okay, how are yeah. they viewing success? Uh, yeah, well, how, yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess um, you know, what's how? How's the studio looking at immersive right now? Is are they are they kind of recalibrating around LBE stuff because of kind of the install base? Is being yeah. Well, look, our business is has always seen. LBE as an important piece of the overall immersive business. Cool. I think we learned that it was a more important part than we initially anticipated um, when that in-home install base didn't start to hockey stick like some of the expectations. Although, frankly, the, one of the benefits of being on the Sony side is that we're very close with our PlayStation uh, sister company. So, look, we, we knew from the beginning launching a new platform, especially an in-home platform, was going to take a while. So the early hype and, and sort of analyst enthusiasm about the in-home market, we took that with a grain of salt. Yeah. So our business has always been a mix of in-home publishing, which we do, uh, and location-based licensing and, uh, and, and co-production, and then other forms where immersive adds value back to the studio, either in revenue, through partnerships, um, in promotion. We have a Spider-Man game that we put out in-home that is really about promoting those Spider-Man movies. Um, and then really being at the forefront of looking at the non-linear interactive side of storytelling so that we can be part of that conversation. I think there's been a knock on traditional studios for many years that within, within the old Hollywood world, you can't innovate, can't embrace digital, can't be ahead of the curve in terms of launching new platforms. And you see technology companies like Facebook and Netflix really getting out there um, and winning categories that frankly movie studios should have won um, and so those analog companies have had this sort of this 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 um, have been perceived as not being able to play in this space so one of the functions of what we do at SPVR in addition to building the business and actually driving real revenue uh, is to be in the conversation as new platforms develop so to be able to offer storytellers like Ivan Reitman um, or our Jumanji filmmakers who were very involved in this. Jake Kasdan, our director of our movie, was in, very involved in, in, in the creation of, of this experience here. 
to be able to offer that talent a chance to expand the worlds in other in other ways that that aren't pure video games, you know, fairly mature business um, or short form content, which you know is very exciting and interesting, but also somewhat mature. Uh, to give them a chance to participate in this space is really important to us as a studio as we ultimately fight to compete for talent uh, in mm. Hollywood. So there's a variety of different ways that Sony Pictures VR is is adding value back in the overall ecosystem. Number one is we're, we're here to make money. I mean, this is a business. Um, so publishing games in home, licensing, working with location-based partners. We've done that in a variety of different ways, family entertainment centers, attraction business, uh, free roam, um, arcades, uh, and then being at the forefront of innovation so that we can drive uh, conversations inside the studio and really know what's coming and also add value back to our talent. Yeah, there's, there's an advantage to some degree with Sony being also connected to a technology company. Absolutely. And 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 having been through like you know things like Blu-ray standards, and I think I was at um, it's at the Infinity thing uh, a couple of weeks ago, and someone yeah. was talking about you know when 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 DVD was coming up and how they like turned to the the accounting department and said like oh, I'm gonna need to hire some engin- some computer engineers like why we're a movie studio it's like no you don't understand we need to start working on this now we need to start preparing for where things are gonna be five years down the road right well Sony is unique in that in that space because yeah. we truly are a creative company backed by technology so that overlapping point between the two circles of creative and entertainment and technology right we're right in the middle. Um, and what we always are doing is touching base with all the technologists, the R&D that's going on on the hardware side, the software development, the electronics teams, um, the sensor teams, you know, the, 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 the work that's going on in Tokyo, in San Mateo, to really develop next levels of technology innovation and understanding how can we bring that to our creative world to make better product. So in that sense, VR really lifts all of the boats in the Sony world um, because it's a technology play for us, obviously with the, the, uh, the PSVR. Um, and also it's a creative play because it gives us a chance to tell stories in a, in a truly immersive different way. Even if right now that leans more into gaming than it does into pure storytelling in terms of interactivity. But I think that's the balance that we're always trying to find even with partners like The Void, there's gamification in this experience, in this Jumanji experience, naturally because the movie is based on a, a game storyline. But that's what audiences want. They want to play. They want to have that agency. They want to be able to, to, to have wins and losses and, and respawn and push buttons. And, but they also do want a story at some level that they can walk out of and say, hey, here's what happened to me. What happened to you? What was different? Curtis, I mean, you guys have worked with a number of studios now. Um, how are you finding like the, the overall market going and the, and the perception? What, how, how are those relationships maturing out? Because it seems to be... Who's your favorite studio? No, that's what, that's <laughs> no and that's right not now. the incentive. Literally not that question. Cause, but like, but, like, but, but the, the, general, the general attitude here, because I mean, you guys, I mean, you guys, are, you know, you're, you're, you're based in Utah. That's where your headquarters are, but you do spend a lot of time here in LA. Oh, yeah. what's, what's the temperature of the water like right now? Um... You know, I'm happy to say that, um, you know, studios have been very interested. I mean, I, 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 which is to say that I, I think it makes sense. The, the product's extremely compelling. It's really hard. Even skeptical studio heads and people that come in and they're like, oh, I don't like VR, they tend to go through the void and come out and be like, oh, wow. You know, because it's, frankly, it's just not VR. It's something yeah. else. You know, I, I refer to it as hyper reality. We, you know, uh, you know, I tend to nowadays call it immersive 
VR simply just to get the idea of it out there, what this is. Um, I still like hyper reality. For yeah, me too. So, yeah, yeah, let's stick with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, but in the end, it's it is it is different than it's different than what you do at home. It's different than this thing you did with like a piece of cardboard in your phone. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was standing in front of I was in downtown Disney and I was standing in front of the, the I just come out of Secrets and there was a there was a dad like our age with like his family and he was looking. I was like, "What's that?" And I turned to him and said, "Remember when we were kids and they told us what VR was going to be like?" Yeah. I was just like. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pointing to an imaginary door, everyone, yes. just so mm-hmm. you know. Like I just gestured, and then I just walked on, and like, like his eyes kind of like, you know, lit up for a second because there was that promise of what it was going to be, mm-hmm. and then so many people their first encounter with it was like they got a piece of cardboard they shoved their phone into, uh, thanks to New York Times, and yeah. people said, "What the frick is this? This is not. I'm not. I'm not in the cyberspace. I'm not now Keanu Reeves. This isn't the Matrix." This is this is a a, a a documentary about the New York Times. What right. you know? Yeah. I mean, that was that was a good documentary for the record. But like you know, it was it was definitely more for the kind of crowd that would go to a film festival, of which I am. And I was like, I totally appreciate <laughs> right. it. But like mass market, like no, you want someone to you want someone to see this. Well, I talk about that a lot. The, this the, the the true promise of virtual reality, and I I, I talk about how. Because I was the same way when I was a kid. My dad was like, "Hey, this is what VR is. It's it's you're gonna be able to step into another world. You're gonna be able to uh, feel like you're there. You're gonna reach out and grab things. It's gonna be you know just like this reality, only it's a virtual one." I mean, it was very kind of a, a concept I grasped right away as a kid. I was like, "Oh yeah, that sounds amazing. I want to do that." And then of course, like you said, there's these movies that came out that kind of presented the same idea. And even now, movies come out with like still presenting that same idea. This is what virtual reality is still going to be. Um, and, uh, the, the fact is, is that, that, uh, like you said, it's, we, we everybody kind of got VR and it wasn't that promise. It was sort of the early stages of, of, a piece of that promise, but not the, not this all encompassing experience, which has always of course been what our goal here at the void is, is to provide that full sensory immersive. You have stepped through a doorway, through a portal into another world. I mean, it's why we have these arches around our doorways. That's, that represents a portal. It, it is really supposed to be just that simple. And VR is a piece of that. And it's, you know, right now it's an important piece because it provides the means by which we can show you this other world. But um, if I could create the same feeling or better with different technology, I probably would. You know, it's, it's really about the experience and, and not the technology itself. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end on a question that I know I shouldn't ask, but I'm too tempted. And I never do this. I never do this. What are the odds of a Spider-Verse here? Because I just keep on... Ever since I saw Wreck-It Ralph, I became obsessed with the idea of Spider-Verse. And you guys are just not going to respond, but I just, I just wanted to ask the question. <laughs> Look, we've... Here's how I'll answer that. People want it. Mm-hmm. We know they want it. You just said it. I've always definitely we've, want we've it. We've released two Spider-Man VR experiences for PlayStation Vive and for the in-home that we've given away to promote our movie. And they are extremely successful in the sense that they're critically and you know audience-based really love it. People want that Spider-Verse world, um, whether it's the Spider-Verse of Miles Morales, right? Or the Spider-World of Peter Parker. They want it. At some point, as the business grows where it can really sustain the kinds of development that I think would go into making that promise real, I think you'll see it. 
Um, I don't think there's any reason in the world of uh, studio politics, IP, that if the audience really wants it and demands something, that we're not going to figure out a way, and I speak we as the royal, we have inclusive of Marvel and you know everyone who's involved in this, and I'm sticking my neck out here, but I think that ultimately there's a chance for something really, really amazing to be delivered along those lines because people really want it. It will drive the business forward at some point. Yeah. It, w- it would be amazing and perhaps spectacular. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Let's manifest it. Let's make it. I'll do my part. Uh, good. And I'll, I'll do my part of diff- wishing very, 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 very hard. So, Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you so much. This was really fun. Oh, my cool. pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Noah. Once again, I want to thank Jake Zim and Curtis Hickman for being our guests on the show today. Um, I just want to reiterate it. Uh, I really, really like Jumanji. And I say this as someone who's never seen Jumanji, not even the original. Um, I didn't see the original because I was not in the demographic at the time the movie came out. And I haven't seen the new ones because I'm not in the demographic. But now that I've played the game, I'm thinking, hey, I think I want to watch Jumanji, Um, which uh, is, uh, you know, that's how this thing is supposed to work, right? Uh, it is it is an effective piece of co-marketing, uh, but also, again, a really great game. Um, I just I, I can't help but think of what folks like Andrew Preble or Madison and Luke or Tommy Haunton or uh, the Wild Optimist could do uh, with this mechanic of of give, you know, seg- you know, separating out information visually and audially. Right, um, audially, orally, um, <laughs> my dumb brain. Uh, this is something that that harkens back to sort of like the way I the way I DM. Um, uh, there's a lot of secret notes. There's a lot of compartmentalized information. Um, a lot of that comes from my LARPing days, and just the idea that we can do that now with like full sensory, right? That we can pretty much give people an. an you two people standing next to each other, you know, it's the whole like, um, you know, the elephant, right? It's like, you know, one person thinks it's this and one person thinks it's that, right? Everyone's got a different piece of the elephant. Uh, and so they think it's different things. Um, this is, this is leaning into that, right? It's a snake. Oh, it's a rat. It's a, this, you know, it's a tree. Um, we can, we can do that now. We can really, really do that. And the, the chances for creating puzzles or creating collaborative play that goes a step beyond. Um, I, I just, I get really excited thinking about what that means and what that can be, what can be done with that from a a thematic and a narrative perspective, right? Like the, the sorts of, ideas that can be mined because we can play this way now. All right. Um, I'm hoping that you're having a wonderful holiday. Uh, my plans are to make lasagna for my mom, uh, and then, you know, lie low. Uh, we're going to go check out knives out knives out tonight. We meaning some friends, um, some folks you recognize it's going to be like Catherine and 
Tommy and Kara and, and it's going to be absolutely great. And Kara put it together because she's like the social maven. Um, and we're going to have fun. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like my brain just like it's like the needle picked up off the record and then like a, 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 a an ambulance drove by in the distance. I'm like, what's going on? Um, I'm functionally just a dinosaur, right? You know, like fast motion distracts me. Um, anyway, I hope you're having a wonderful weekend. Uh, stay tuned. There's so much coming your way. Uh, there's uh, a lot going on with here. Uh, tons we're going to announce. Uh, and you want to be in that chain. So sign up for the newsletter and when registration opens, register. Uh, it's going to be great this year. And I'm looking forward to making stuff for you uh, forever and ever and ever and ever. And I just want to thank all of you for giving me that opportunity and for all the help that you do. Uh, it's Thanksgiving. Let's be thankful. Yeah. Um, uh, perfect. Perfect timing. I wasn't even planning on doing this. Um, I'm I'm very lucky to have all of you. Um, I, uh, I I'm I'm still I'm still scared. I'm I still don't know if this is all gonna work out. I'm still thinking like I may have to go get a job at Starbucks. Um, uh, if things break the wrong way, but I I watch this community grow and change and weather storms and 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 more importantly, I watch us see that we're not just, you know, one thing or the other, that we're bigger. We're bigger than just VR. We're bigger than live immersive. We're bigger than marketing. We're, we're all of these things on a creative level and on a design level. And ultimately at this principle lying underneath it all of that goes beyond connection and engagement to to action and to really exploring the bonds between all of us um and you know it's it's been a bumpy ass year in so many ways um i i i feel beat up and i honestly don't know how sometimes i'm still standing but i just think of all that all of you do and all the times you've stepped up for me and I'm just, I'm, I'm proud to be able to keep on working on your behalf to connect this world. Um, each and every week, no weeks where we don't. Um, although we may take a bye week in December because I need my sanity. Uh, expect me to take a bye week in, in December. Um, yeah, yeah, I should probably do that. That would probably be good. Um, we may just record some stuff in advance. Anyway, uh, thank you. Thank all of you. And um, yeah, that that's it for now. Hey, let's do the things we always do. Uh, the sustaining backers of No Persinium are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F., Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mystery, and Sidney Guillory. You can join them at patreon.com slash no proscenium. We're looking for just two more $5 backers to take us to that next goal. Uh, the credits, the credits, I'm reading for once, the music 
for No Persinium is created by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. The executive editor of No Persinium is Catherine Yu. I am your founder and publisher and host, Noah Nelson. If you have a show, send us information about it at pitches at nopersinium.com. Um, you can find everything we do at nopersinium.com or at nopersinium on Twitter and Facebook at no underscore persinium on Instagram. Uh, and if you want more information about the upcoming summit that we're producing, the Here Summit, that you can find at herefest, H-E-R-E-F-E-S-T dot com. All right. Until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>